You know, I see that hat and I want to buy meat on a stick. Nobody in our generation is scared enough of Jeff Bezos. This is 1999. When have you not known there to be beans available? This is a Standard Nerds podcast. Hello and welcome to How Do You Like Me Now, the podcast where we go back and relive the golden years of kids TV. I'm Will, with me as always is Liz. Hello Liz. Let's rock out with our cocks out. Indeed, let's do that. With our respective cocks <laughs> that we have. Hi Will. It's... <laughs> Just to clarify, you don't have a penis. That's... I don't see why that needs to be clarified. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. What what business could that possibly be of people's? <laughs> None whatsoever. Exactly. Stop prying, you lot. <laughs> Will nobody asked. <laughs> anyway, Liz, it's <laughs> this scarf rails. Liz, it's your pick this week. What are you oh, picking? good, good. Okay, right. This is a show. I just feel like everybody must have watched this show, right? Okay. And I think it's going to totally hold up because I I feel like I watched it yesterday, but I didn't. Ooh. I haven't watched it since I was a kid, but it feels like it's been ever-present in my life. Okay, okay. Okay, right. So we are going to watch Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Ooh, okay. A bit of... Uh, now, I'm, I'm always going to say this wrong, because I always nearly say... I say Melissa Joan Hart, but yeah. only after I've paused to stop myself saying Clarissa Dixon Wright. Wow. Those people are not the same. I know, but the name structure is similar. Well... To be fair, Melissa has played Clarissa and Sabrina. Yeah. She's trying to confuse you there. <laughs> she now is. she just plays Melissa again. But I'd like to see Melissa Joan Hart do the life story of Clarissa Dixon Wright. I really think that would have the most niche appeal of any of the terrible suggestions you've made of things you'd like to see. Only just because I'd like to read a review that starts, Melissa, who played Clarissa, now plays Clarissa. Well, just to clarify, Clarissa Dixon Wright is one is known um, for being one of the two fat ladies. Yes. Was that what they were called? Yes, they were called the two fat ladies. And they went around on a motorbike. Yeah, motorbike and sidecar, and they cooked things. Cooked and a lot of very fatty things. Very fatty things. And yeah. yeah. And you're suggesting you'd like Melissa Joan Hart, the famous American skinny woman, to play that lady. Like, she could do the early years part. The early years. Yeah, or, or you know, she could do what De Niro did before, in Raging before Bull. Before she like, discovered <laughs> clotted cream or something. Yeah, or, well then actually, you know, if she's if she's really de- dedicated to this part, and let's be honest, this is a big role. Right. She's not been doing much lately, you know. This Says could be you. her way back in. You know, she, she, you know, she could do the whole De Niro Raging Bull dedication to her cause and, and actually eat her way around Europe for six months in order to bulk up for the for the part. In order to bulk up. I really regret saying bulk up. I don't know why I said that. No, I actually love the phrase bulk up. <laughs> because bulk up is what male celebrities do, you know. Oh, he's got to be big and, and, and burly for this part, so he bulked up. Whereas when it was like you know Bridget Jones it's like oh she just oh she had to gain so much weight and now she's lost the weight isn't she wonderful it's like no bitch I've got to play a fat person I've got to bulk up (laughs) anyway Liz tell me well how did you get me onto this (laughs) from Melissa Joan Hart tell me what you remember about Sabrina the Teenage Witch I remember everything about Sabrina the Teenage Witch okay she's called Sabrina Mm -hmm. she's 
only a teenage witch for part of the show because it goes on for a long time so she does turn 20 um she is in love with harvey for quite a lot of it although that doesn't really work out she gets a new boyfriend in some of the later series she has a best friend i think she's called valerie she has an enemy i think she's called libby there is um yes it's harvey kinkle isn't it harvey kinkle is harvey her kinkle. boyfriend yeah, and um she has a cat called salem i think Salem is everybody's favourite part of this show. Yes, I think you're right there. Salem. The cat that talks. Yeah, the... Although, I also have a very big place in my heart for Hilda and Zelda, who are her, are her aunts yes. that she lives with. And they're awesome, and I always imagined them as like older aunts. And now when we go back and watch this, I realise they're going to be like our age. Yeah, pretty much they are. They're going to be in their 30s. Horrific. Um, what do you remember about it? Well, uh, to be honest, I remember a fair bit about this. I remember the characters. I remembered Harvey and Sabrina. Salem, obviously, you're absolutely right. Salem is everyone's favourite part of this because yep. he is a sassy English cat. Yes. Well, he's, that... he's sassy. He's not English, is he? I thought he was I thought he was English. No, he's not. He is American. Sorry. I'm confusing him with a different sassy animal. I'm confusing Potsworth. him with Potsworth from Potsworth and Company, yes. who's a sassy English dog. Salem is a sassy American cat. Yes, played by Nick Bakai, who turns up in, I think it was that 70s show or something, he turned up as the actual actor. Oh, right. And I heard that voice, and I think that was the start of me loving to recognise people in other things, because I was because you hear the voice, and oh, I know that voice so well. And then you realise you've only heard it come from a cat, that's why you don't recognise them. <laughs> See, I can't remember much in the way of the actual plots of this show. Like, okay, other so than it was about her growing up. Yeah, the, it's a, her growing up, and the plot is she's a witch, obviously, and nobody can know about the witch. But then there's this thing she has to kiss him. She has to kiss her true love, but then they're like, oh, at 16, it's always your true love. And then I think there's also a thing if she has to kill her evil twin, but that might have been a movie special. Wow. Okay, I didn't even realise there are movie specials in this. Like, my, my gut says to me this ran for a very long and time. And I think that Penn from Penn and Teller was like the head of the warlocks and you kind of went to see him through their airing cupboard wow you really remember a lot of this show considering i don't remember names or any plot details from anything that we've watched (laughs) i really remember this one well and then yeah when she goes off to like um university or whatever they call it in america um, she makes friends with Salil Moon Fry, or Soleil Moon Fry, who I think was Punky Brewster. Wow. Okay, that's that's some knowledge because you just said multiple names and I have actually, no idea who those people are. Actually, she had a friend before Valerie, I think, who's got brown frizzy hair, but I can't remember her name. Okay, you really remember everything about the show. I think we should go and put your knowledge to the test. Okay, done. Duncan, I'm blind! And we're back. So, Liz, we've just gone and watched two episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I feel like I've never been away from it. I was straight back in. So, come on, what did you make of it? Uh, Okay, uh, this, it was, some things immediately came back to me. Like, the intro where she's standing in front of the mirror and, like, changing her clothes through magic. I was like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was a thing. That was actually always one of my favourite bits. I think it is a thing with a lot of young women Mm. that clothes are really pushed on you so watching like her be able to zap on different outfits is awesome and i think i was always disappointed 
because she starts off she's got the gold glittery thing with big sleeves beautiful and then she zaps on like her regular clothes which are a pair of like beige jean type things yeah. and a small cap sleeve blouse in a kind of dull leopard print and she and she's got her like hair up and she's always like meh it's okay and I was always like yeah that's just how disappointing regular fashion is isn't it absolutely this hit a point with me because I've just started re-watching Friends yeah and watching like the first series and realised like mid 90s you know mm. you think of 90s fashion you think of crazy acid prints and like super bright colours and fluorescence and everything else yeah but actually mid 90s there's so much beige going on I had a real brown face. Yeah, everyone wore brown. That was it was like brown in varying shades, and that was it. Well, there's a picture of me, I think, in like six forms. So that would have been that would have been into the noughties, but obviously this went through to that sort of time. And it looks like it's from the seventies because it's brown and beige. That's yeah. all all that's going on. Yeah, but if if you want to talk fashion, and it feels like we're getting into fashion, okay, let's go fashion. How awesome are Hilda and Zelda? Oh my God, Hilda and Zelda, and specifically. Hilda. 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 This show should be called The Diaries of Hilda, right? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think anyone will watch that show. I, I want to watch more Hilda. Well, they're, they're awesome. I've always liked the aunts. And I think when I was younger, I thought that Zelda was a little bit more boring. She takes on much more of a parent role, mm. and Hilda's much more kooky. Yeah. And their dress sense reflects that. So Zelda's can be a lot more... Um, sort of classic and conservative. Uh, conservative, but actually, she looks amazing in mm-hmm. the second episode we watched. She wears this black dress and she has this amazing figure. She's so skinny, that woman. And um, yeah, she looks just really beautiful, like classic and beautiful. And then Hilda is there. She's in the fun prints and, and the, the fur and, and silk, everything, yeah. every color going. She's the kooky aunt and she looks amazing. I want. I basically. I feel like their two fashion senses are the two sides of my personality. <laughs> I want to look like a classy, elegant lady, and then I want to look like a kooky, colourful, magical creature that nobody really gets. Well, don't we all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want those to be my two things. I mean that. So that immediately we've got this start of 90, 90s fashion to the all over the place, and she ends up in one which she then kind of. Does a pun? Yeah, there's a little joke. A, a little, little sort joke. of knowing, like... Nah. She turns to the camera like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, it's sort of, no, here we go again kind of <laughs> moments. You know, hands on... It's that kind of thing. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I imagine like if you saw this like once a week, that could be kind of endearing and a thing. If you now box-setted this, that would get quite irritating quite quickly. I don't know. I'm I'm into it. I was, I'm on board for the whole thing, basically. Okay. Basically, I am. Yeah. Also, another thing I'm saying in this fashion, a lot of chokers. There's a lot of chokers going on in the this. The chokers were having a moment, and they, they had it again recently, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Because, I mean, this is, what, 96? This was 96, the first ever episode. Yeah. And again, I will say, I had one of those... Um, it, I think it was called a tattoo choker, because it was, like, um, a little bit of wire wrapped... Like elasticated. Elasticated. To, yeah. And so it was supposed to look a bit like a tattoo. And I had one of those... <laughs> I was, I I didn't think I was that into fashion. Mm-hmm. I've always liked clothes, but I didn't didn't used to wear all the trends because I didn't think they looked that good on me. But I did have some. I had some butterfly hair clips as well, <laughs> which I'm sure make an appearance in an episode of Sabrina. I don't oh, think they were on show in these, but they feel like they would fit right in. 
Oh my goodness. I, one thing I would say, sort of looking at this when it actually starts up properly, I think I confused this in my head more than I thought I had with Clarissa Explains It All. Okay. Because I thought this was much more of like, uh, like, you know, like a set in front of a live studio audience, that kind of thing where it pans across and everything's always at the same camera angle. Right. Where you're looking straight at the set um, and that, from that fourth wall. Where actually this is this is just filmed and then they've added a laugh track on top. Well, I have to say, the pilot episode, the laugh track is a bit weird. Yeah. Because there are things that she says, and sure, they're not that funny, but they're meant to be and there's no laughter. And... <laughs> So it feels really quiet. Like, you cannot actually watch these American shows, a lot of them, with no laugh track because it's so removed from what you're used to. So, yeah, when there are no laughs in that first episode... And there are laughs at other points. It's not that there's no laugh track on that episode. There is laughter, mm. but some bits are just left quiet. And it's it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's chilling. <laughs> it really is. And, I mean... I get chilling if you're trying to go with that because it's a su- it's a supernatural introduction. But they don't really go down that way, do they? I mean, they've done that recently, haven't they? They've yeah, re- they've remade it. So it's creepier and it's, it's not horror. It's proper it's horror. horror. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this is meant to be one of those shows that we all know, the big American show where sometimes you're in the house and then you're at the high school or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. I think I watched all these American shows, but I never really had a concept of what high school was or what age anybody was supposed to be because they talk about grades, don't they? Yeah. And I never understood those being, you know, in Britain. And even now, if I want to know what somebody's talking about, I'll look them up and immediately forget them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But they, they were always, like, obsessed with boyfriends and jobs and cars, and I think I thought they were a lot older than they're actually meant to be. I think I assumed every high school TV show they were basically in uh, university, yeah, or like it, at least college. Well, again, because no one wears uniform, and yeah, like most places in the states, I think you can drive from sixteen, like legally. Yeah. So you know, so like when we used to go on family holidays, we you would see actual kids driving cars around because yeah. And this is the thing, like with with us, even though you can get a license at seventeen, almost nobody had a car and could drive straight away because it takes a long time so you'd you'd be like 18 but most people before you actually could use a car Mm. then the 16th birthday they're in the car they're off yeah that's it they're they're driving away but but uh, but add into that Mm -hmm. melissa joan hart is 20 when this starts yeah i was gonna say it's sabrina the teenage witch right she is meant to be a teenager she's meant to be 16 because she's quite clearly not this is her 16th birthday because we see her in bed levitating, mm-hmm. and Hilda and Zelda are watching her from the door, going, that first levitation's so special. I found that a bit creepy, did yeah. you? Yeah, and she's levitating right on schedule. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, because it's just turned midnight, so she's become a witch on her 16th birthday. And yeah, she's now levitating, I mean, and... That, that's remarkably inconvenient. Do you think? Well, what if you're in a situation where you can't freely float above the bed? If you're in a bunk bed... It's going to be smacking your face on the on the bunk ahead of you. I can't believe that's the first thing you would think of. <laughs> I just, Maybe they just don't give 16-year-old witches bunk beds. I don't know. I think you know, not all of them are going to be freewheeling suburbanites and metropolitan people like Sabrina family. Some of them are going to be like living like the Amish. What? In relative, you know, like the if Amish? You, if you're a witch, you know, this isn't like, you know, 
this isn't like just you know it's accepted there witches on every street corner you know they've still got to keep it secret they've still got to hide from presumably from witch hunters and the like so you know they might want to live in seclusion isolation but with that comes small house with that comes bunk beds hiding from witch hunters yeah okay could be you were watching a different show right i'm just saying it could be i think there is a witch hunter at some point well, but there you go, point proven. It's not very. It's not as dramatic as you're thinking. You're not going to hide from a witch hunter effectively when you're in a phone book. I don't think you would hide from them effectively if you were Amish. Really? Too obvious. <laughs> Too obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, if you're looking... Mm, I need someone who looks like a... Although, saying that, if you... You know, any... TV representation of like Salem witch trials, you know, they're all in that Amish kind of pilgrim dress where they're trying to get rid of witches. This is so it. I'd assume that'd be the safest place to stay. They called that Cat Salem and you've gone down a wrong track. <laughs> That's what's happened, isn't it? <laughs> so in this episode, we meet Salem as we well. We do meet Salem. Um, and Sabrina hasn't previously known that he can talk. Now, it's not clear to me how long she's lived there and they've hidden their magic. She knows nothing about witches yeah. at this stage. She knows nothing about that and doesn't know that Salem is a person who's been, or a witch who's been trapped in a cat's body. Now, I think she must have just moved there because also this first episode is her first day at school. Yeah. Uh, and she wouldn't change schools at 16 unless she'd moved, I think. That's true. So I think she's probably moved there in the last, in like the run up to her 16th birthday. You know, her mum said, go off and live with your kooky aunts for some reason. Well, her mum is mortal. Yes. We find that out. And but she, she can't... can't tell Sabrina that's the reason she's sending her away. No, the mum tells her that she's going on a dig in Peru. Right, okay. So you reckon the mum's not actually in Peru? No. Did did you not listen to anything the dad in the book said? I, I was more confused by what was on the page around him. Well, you shouldn't have been trying to read the page around him. You should have been listening to what he was actually saying. He said, you can't see your mum because she's mortal. And the way they discourage mortals being married to witches is to... if Apparently, if you have a kid from that marriage and they see you before their 18th birthday the mortal will turn into a big ball of wax. Yeah. That's a thing. And so... <laughs> that seems out on those parent threats, like, I can't come up with a good reason for you not to do this thing, so I'm just going to come up with something off the top of my head. Don't don't touch that electrical socket, or you'll turn into a dead eagle. Uh, Will, you're not meant to touch electrical <laughs> no, sockets. No, I know. I just... That's a good thing for parents to discourage. <laughs> And nobody ever said dead eagle. Just dead (laughs) is enough. But then she says, so she's not really on a dig in Peru. And he says, oh, yes, she is. That is where she is. Right, Okay. So so she's presumably some kind of archaeologist to have, or paleontologist, gone out on a dig in Peru. What's she digging for? Well... (laughs) I want to get into the mum's story more on this. I assumed archaeologist and not, you know, like, um, plumber. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hell of a job. She's installing a sewage system. In Peru. In Peru. Yeah, on a dig is archaeologist. Yeah, or or paleontologist. You could be digging up dinosaurs. Yeah, okay. Some some kind of thing where you need to have a little one of those like painter's brushes and be brushing things off. Yeah, that kind of. of. She could be on time team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Except she's not in Dorset, she's in Peru. So that's where the mum is. Yeah, so the dad is tra- is not trapped. He's in the Spellman Book of Spells. Yeah, because there's two realms. They there's say two this, realms. They say there's the, the mortal realm yeah. 
and the other realm. And he's there. And he's in the other realm. But they give her the Spellman Book of Spells, which is a big book. And I, I remembered its appearance. Although when it's given to her, I didn't realise how cheap it looks. Because <laughs> it is obviously just, they've got a big book and they have stuck some very cheap rhinestones from a craft shop on the front. They look like they're about to fall off at yeah. any moment. It looks so naff in that first episode. When she opens it up, she can have a little chat with her dad in there. Yeah, and we see her dad. His dad's name's Edward. Yes. Edward Spell, or Teddy, I think, as Hilton's elder call him. Um, you know, I think... Yeah, I'm all. I'm a great fan of nominative determinism in in kids' TV shows. So Spellman, you know, Magic Family. Absolutely, it makes me happy. Of I like course. it. Uh, <laughs> Teddy Spellman. I don't know. Teddy Spellman seems like you know. You feel like they could be more. Teddy Spellman. More magical. Yeah, I think so. Like Marvo Spellman. Marvo. Great. You know, something like or you know. Zarathustra. Oh, Zarathustra Spellman. Yeah. Have you met the Spellmans? Zarathustra and Maggie the Plumber. Yes. <laughs> He's a witch, she's a plumber. How will they get along? You know, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's yes. what we should be having now. It's not a remake of Sabrina, but a prequel to Sabrina about how the how the mum and the dad get together. You well, know, I think that show is called... She's a mortal and he's a witch. Da-na-na-na, how's it gonna work? That that show has been done, except the other way around, and it's called Bewitched. Oh, okay. And it's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Uh, yeah, and we're Bewitched. I mean, I'd love it if Bewitched was, like, the setup for... Sabrina. It could easily be. Yeah. It could easily be, except their kid is called Tabitha. See, that's a magical name. Yeah. Anything with an A on the end. Yeah. Melissa Joan Hart is, is she, she? That's her thing. She does A's at the end. Yeah. She does. I mean, she's just Melissa now. I think in her shows, she doesn't even bother with her character. No. It's just like watch me. Oh, I thought I'm... you meant like single name like Beyonce or like. Oh, she's just Melissa. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't think she can get away with or that. Madonna. No, but you mentioned there Clarissa. Mm-hmm. Um, explains it all, which is Melissa Joan Hart's other show, which I do remember, but I always felt like Clarissa was for slightly older kids, and then Sabrina was like my age. This is for me. But I think were Clarissa and Sabrina at the same time. I think Clarissa explains it all had finished, and this is her next thing that she did. Right. Okay. So she did Clarissa explains it all growing up and being a teenager, and then went back in time. To pretend to be a teenager to do Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, absolutely. So we've had we've had that we've had Salem introduced uh, as talking cat. I want to get to the school. I really want to get to the school. Yeah. Okay. So we get to the school. We get the first shot of Harvey. Harvey, yes. Yeah, who I wasn't sure if he was in it right from the start, but he is. He's always the love interest. Yeah, I'm going to put this out there. Harvey, thick as pig shit. Yes, I think that is a theme. Yeah. I think. That is established. He's a very dull man. Very boring man. He is, isn't he? Really amazed that they chose to make this character the love interest because he's so boring. Because he obviously likes Sabrina straight away as soon as he sees her. Mm-hmm. Tries to talk, chat her up with mailbox talk. Yeah, but it's mostly directed to the friend. Uh, well, no, he hits her with a football. And then comes up to apologise later on and is like, sorry, I hit my football. Hey, talks to the friend, you're so-and-so. You've got the really cool mailbox outside your house. And she goes, yeah. He goes, oh, my mailbox is boring. Yes, like everything about Jesus, you. Jesus, Harvey. I mean, And Sabrina's like, this guy seems like he's the one. Like, Whoa, man's talking about mailboxes. Honestly, she's 16. But still, that should be a red flag of whatever your age. All he has to be is hot, Well, <laughs> is what I'm saying. All he has to be is hot. At least you've got to have a passing interest in mailboxes yourself. 
What? In order, to, in order to think, do not think. No, you know what? This guy's talking about mailboxes. I'm just. You think you think mailboxes is a red flag? You have never, <laughs> ever spoken to a man. <laughs> Honestly, that is the most benign thing. If, if they don't mention a serial killer in the first five minutes, you think you're onto a winner. <laughs> I didn't mention a serial killer when we first talked to me. And now we're married. <laughs> There's someone else I want to mention from the school. Yes. Okay. Their teacher, Mr. Paul, is Paul Feig? Feig? Yes. Who? who director of, of Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids and the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. Which, I'd forgotten him, but he is in it quite a lot, Mr. Paul, now okay. I think about it. See, I, don't, I didn't remember him. I remember the teacher from the second episode we watched. But I like Mr. Paul. He throws in, he's pu- he's pulling his weight in this show. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely. there trying to throw in some comedy. I mean, it's not all landing. Let's be honest. He's been given a bad script, but he's trying his hardest. He is trying his hardest. They're dissecting a frog, aren't they? That yeah. classic. Again, this was a thing I thought all Americans did all the time. We never dissected a frog. No. We did you ever dissect anything? No. Right, okay. Absolutely I, not. I didn't. People, other classes in my school did dissect things. We dissected an onion. <laughs> Isn't that just chopping it? Oh, it might have been food taking more than <laughs> No, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious. We had an onion. <laughs> you just have to like, peel back the layer, there's another one underneath it, and another one, and another one. It just keeps going. This really doesn't put my school in a good light, does it? <laughs> no, what we did was we looked at it under a microscope because the cells of an onion are huge. Right. So you can see them at a really low magnification oh, okay. level. That was the only thing that we ever took apart. <laughs> See, we I never took anything apart. Other other classes did. Um, I had some friends, I think they didn't dissect... I think they dissected like a cow's eyeball. A cow's eyeball? Yeah, they dissected like an eyeball. I think that's worse than a frog. <laughs> I think it is, because you've basically been given an eye in a tray that's bigger than a normal eye. Honestly, an eyeball is the worst part of any body. <laughs> it is, because it's just... Yeah, I think the problem is that... It's too creepy. Yeah, you know it's full of jelly. Oh! I wasn't even thinking about that. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking about that, and now I am. (laughs) See, no, we didn't dissect anything in my class, but we did have uh, a biology teacher who used to go to the butchers and get body parts to... Of animals, not of people, to demonstrate things. So he would bring in, like... Um, you know, he'd basically go to local budgets in town and go, can I have some of the offals? He'd bring in, like, a pair of kidneys from a pig, this kind of stuff, right? He'd bring in a heart, and, like, literally, he'd bring in a heart, basically then would, like, take it and slice it and say, okay, so that's a ventricle, that's the atrium, you know, that's the, the, all these, all the veins in this kind of stuff here. And I remember once, vividly, he brought in a pair of pig's lungs, um, and literally, like, to show us, you know, this is what lungs look like. And he said, and this is, you know, inflating. So he took one of the tubes of one of the Bunsen burners, put it in the trachea of this lung, of this pair of lungs, and inflated this pair of lungs and blew as hard as he could. And it went huge. And it was like, oh my God. And he went, and he sort of then went, yeah, it is. And then, and they went, can you do that again, sir? He went, sure. And then went, and accidentally, as he put his mouth in the tube, breathed in a little bit. <laughs> breathing in, and I was turning nothing back. I think he breathed in dead pig breath. Yes, <laughs> that's not okay. I tell you what else. When he went to chat up women, he didn't mention mailboxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to know what happened to Mister Burrows, my old biology teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was he married? 
I think he was married. Yes, he was also he he was brilliant because he also every he had a huge beard, and he was about six four, and every great big booming voice, and every year he would do the fireworks safety assembly. Nice. You have one of these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone had one of these. Always keep your fireworks in a tin. Keep them in a tin. (laughs) Never go back to a lit firework. You know, light the blue touch paper and then retire. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Everything I learned about fireworks, I learned from assemblies. (laughs) It stuck with me. But he was also uh, in charge of all like the theatre tech. So he he basically ran when we didn't have a drama teacher, he would run all the lights and everything else. But it also meant he'd order back in the days when schools had loads of money, like flashbangs and like you know and sparks and all these kind of, and the little magician's tricks, you know, like you touch them with a nine volt battery and sets off a puff of smoke. And he used to do these assemblies with all these. So like we had like a lectern, it was our house sat in the sports hall. And I remember this really vividly. He'd go, uh, he said, right. Uh, Bit of a demonstration for you today, uh, children. I've um, I've set a firework up on the other end of the hall, and there's a little like wooden frame, like a sort of planter sort of size thing. He's like, uh, I'm just going to go away and just going to light that now for you. So he'd run off to the other end of the hall and like lean over this thing and like come back and goes, yeah. So it's got a 10 second fuse. So I'll just count down, and we all sat there in silence as he watched on his watch, and he went, hmm. Well, it's been more than 10 seconds. It hasn't gone off yet. I'd better go and check in case I lit it properly. And he went back over and he leaned right into this thing and then set off like a flashbang and a puff of smoke and then started like screaming and literally half our house shit themselves. <laughs> we were like, please not put a real firework in there. It was like, ah, ah, and he comes out and he's basically also got a load of fake blood smeared over his face and comes staring up to the going, ah, ah, my face, my eye. That man... <laughs> Sounds like he is so dangerous. Honestly, should not be allowed around children. He was. He was one of the best ones, right? This is before... Bombs and body parts. Th- th- these are red flags. Okay. My, my brother, a few years older than me, went to the school before, was in the same house. A couple of years before I started, he had a fireworks assembly led by the same teacher who got a firework, had emptied all the powder out of it, twisted it back closed, and um, basically lit it while holding the wooden splint in his hand. Uh, basically, as I said, think of, you know, talking about how you shouldn't hold fireworks and lights. So I'm not going to light this one and then hold it and carry on talking to you because, you know, anything can happen. That's just crazy. It'd go off my hand, but blow up. And obviously no one knew he'd empty the powder and he was just playing it, just burning out and then that being it. But what he didn't count on was that when he'd emptied all the powder out of it, there was a bit left in the seam where the paper was glued around. Mm. So it did go off in his hand, yeah. shot across the room. Missed the head of house by about three inches and set fire to the curtains behind her. She retired not long after. Yeah. I presume going, I can't be doing with this shit anymore. She's a gibbering wreck. Yeah, I think she is. But that's the kind of, yeah, dangerous teacher we had. He was great, though. He was one of the most popular teachers in our school. Yeah, I bet. All the ones who had a cavalier attitude towards safety ended up being popular teachers. Well, when you're a kid, you, you think danger is great, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. You yeah, do. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> So, but yeah, Mr. Paul, you know, he's got his great catchphrases like slice and dice. Yes. Uh, and um, Sabrina, she hasn't believed her aunts when they've said, you have powers now. So when she's um, partnered up with Jenny in this episode. Right, I didn't get Jenny's name. Jenny, yeah, with the curly hair. I knew there was a girl before. Her, her next friend is Valerie, and mm. I think Valerie is in it for longer. Um, but I did, I did remember Jenny. They're partnered up and Jenny's like, you know, sad for the frog, wishes it could come back to life. And Sabrina's magic has come in. So she she brings the frog back to life. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say to you, that's quite a powerful spell to that's do by accident. A, yeah, this is your first day of being a witch. The ability to control life and death. 
That's the first thing you do. The first thing, yeah. You've accidentally levitated and then you've created life. Yes. So the the frog comes back to life and Mr. Paul has a great line when he says, um, Mike from Cadaver Shack is going to hear about this. <laughs> That's That was funny. That is a great line. He's really underrated, Mr. Paul. Yeah, he is. He is. It's a great shame. Uh, so, but after we get that, obviously then we're introduced to the main antagonist. Libby. Libby. Libby, yeah. the, the classic cheerleading popular bitch. Yes, the popular bitch. Yeah. And she's she's very snooty, isn't she? She is very snooty. That's how I would describe her persona. She is. I, I, without remembering anything about this, I know that she will have a massive house. Yeah. The mum who's never worked, who, you know... <laughs> it, but her mum will always wear, like, that kind of trousers, that kind of jacket that just fastens at the neck. Chanel like, jacket. We, yeah, Chanel jacket. Mm. And she'll have the bob, and she'll have the gold jewellery. And we're like, darling, Libby. And her dad will probably be, like, a doctor or a consultant. Someone who plays golf a lot for their work. <laughs> Yeah, but not a pro golfer, right? And it'd be a massive house, you know, full of Persian rugs, that kind of thing. And that that is that kind of thing because that character is in every American like show. Yes, and always a cheerleader. And she's interested in Harvey, we find out as yes, well. Yes, she is. Though I get the sense only because Sabrina might be interested in Harvey. She wants to exert, like Libby wants to exert power, but she doesn't actually want Harvey. She, she takes a disliking to Sabrina straight away, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she does. And I think because. Sabrina has that kind of attitude where she doesn't want to take no shit. Damn, damn straight. The attitude yeah. we should all have. Well, of course. Yeah. But so Libby, you know, it, Sabrina goes into the bathroom to wash frog juice off her hands because you would. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, gets into some smack talk with Libby and accidentally casts some magic on Libby to get her to draw lipstick all over her face. Yes. Which, you know, much a real downstep from bringing a frog back to life. Oh, it is, very much so. But still equally disturbing that you can seize control of someone's limbs. Yeah, and also I assume that spell runs out. Because it's like, it reminds me of that one about the, what's the shoes that somebody danced themselves to death? And there's a fairy tale like that. They put the shoes on and they dance themselves to death. And <laughs> Nothing? Um, no, this isn't ringing any bells. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> could you put on lipstick to death? Presumably. Yes, you could. I think you could, like, in Goldfinger. I think some YouTubers do that in videos, actually. I've seen that. You know, watch me put on 100 layers of lipstick. <laughs> you can find that if you want. <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing. If you're into it, somebody's done Pretty it. Pretty niche, but we're not here to judge. <laughs> <laughs> it's not niche. I, I will look up one of those videos now and it'll have, like, 8 million views. I promise you. <laughs> What's it you? putting on like a hundred layers of lipstick. Okay, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Right, the top result: sixteen million views. What? Hundred coats li- liquid lipstick. I... Six million. Five million. Jesus Christ. Two point seven million. That's an ASMR version. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it all like ASMR? Like I, I, those videos freak me out. I can't do the ASMR stuff. You know, it just it's just too creepy. I know you can't. It just sets my teeth on edge. But I think it's meant to. But not in a good... I don't find that sensation... In the bad way. I don't find that sensation pleasant. I don't know many people who go, oh, you know what I really want? It's something to set my teeth on edge. <laughs> just, I'm just going to go home and just sit there if someone puts nails on a chalkboard or, or tears apart some polystyrene bricks or a lovely relaxing dip in a bath with some nice polystyrene bricks there or tinfoil. I want a giant sheet of tinfoil just to crunch up right next to my ears. Do you know what? I don't like cotton wool. Yeah, yeah, the feel. Mm, no, I'm with you on that. The feel of it. No, it's the sound. If you, it's very, very compacted, 
and you sort of squidge it, you can hear a kind of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm already shaking. Yeah. yeah, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Don't like it. Sorry. Sorry, internet. I'm not on board with your whole ASMR crazy thing. Not there for it. Okay, well, really nobody asked. Sorry, good. <laughs> uh, so after we get this, obviously, Sabrina gets home having had a terrible first day at school, and she gets given the Spellman book we've talked about already. Uh, and we get another great 90s reference. You couldn't have got me something from The Gap. The Gap, the yeah. The Gap. Remember when we always just shop at The Gap? No, never no. shopped at The Gap. No, never shopped at The Gap. Never shopped at Gap. But I, what I would, did want to talk about, though, is when she does get this book and open it up and there's a picture of her father, it appears... To, I did look at what else is on the page. Okay. So you've got the old sort of cameo-type portrait of him with Edward underneath. Yeah. Then underneath that, you have a plan of a circulatory system. And above and next to his portrait, you have what appears to be a step-by-step diagram of how to pull a rabbit from a hat. Right, okay. Now, my question to you... Yes. One, how in-depth is this spell book? Very in-depth. Okay, makes sense, because it's in the middle that you're getting taught how to pull a rabbit out of a hat, which to my mind is like day one magic. But it's alphabetical, because a Salem says to her, look under M... When she wants to make some milk. Okay? Right, okay. It's alphabetical. And there are many times in the show where somebody says, oh, look under C for crucifixion or whatever. <laughs> look under C. Couldn't, couldn't think of an example. Okay. So Rabbit and her father, presumably Redwood Spellman, are right next to each other. Uh, well, no, I think that's a page about conjuring. Like, he looks like an old-timey magician. He's wearing a top hat, so I'm assuming that's a page on uh, how to do traditional magic show tricks for mortals in case you need an extra few bucks. Okay, makes sense. All right, I'll buy that. You know, still don't know why the circulatory system is on there. I presume that's showing that's, you where you can produce the rabbit from. That's where you can cut a woman in half. Oh, right, okay. Safe. And have her not die. <laughs> that's safe part. That's safe part where you can cut through where there's no veins or arteries... And you just, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. See, you know so much more about magic than I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, so, but speaking of knowing about magic, they Zelda and Hilda then try and teach Sabrina some powers. So they're trying to teach her how to turn an orange into an apple. Yes. And, and she turns it into a pineapple. She turns it into a pineapple, and then they say later they have 23 pineapples, because it keeps going wrong. And it's really a big downgrade from... Resurrecting frogs, uh, controlling the limbs of another person to cannot conjure an apple out of an existing fruit. (laughs) Really a massive downgrade in powers. I think what this shows you is Sabrina doesn't respond well to formal training. No. This is why they're putting her into the the mainstream education system. She should learn by doing. Learn by doing. Learn by doing. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly. Which is what she's been doing so far. She'll be doing fine. But you know, obviously you send her out into the world when all she can do is turn an apple into a, into a pineapple. And all she's going to do is turn her enemy into a pineapple. But this, this um, episode has one of those classic kind of happenings where we see the day. We see mm-hmm. her school day and the things that we see are she doesn't do well at a test. She gets hit in the face by Harvey throwing a football, Mm -hmm. and she goes to the cafeteria, and Libby asks Harvey out in front of her, and Harvey says he's not doing anything, so fine, and 
pointedly, she blanks Sabrina, doesn't invite her to the party. Bitch. And then spills her... Grape juice. Her grape juice. Very American. Very American thing. Spills her grape juice on Sabrina on purpose. Now, Sabrina can't cope with this, gets cross, conjures a thunderstorm in the cafeteria, Mm -hmm. and then zaps Libby into her 24th pineapple. Yes. (laughs) So she rushes home with Libby the pineapple. Because, again, at an American school... At any age, you appear to be able to leave, come and go at will. Yeah. That's always something that television has told me. I'm going to put it out there quickly. Sabrina and the 24... Sabrina and Libby the Pineapple, better show. I'd be watching that. Maybe. You know who wouldn't? Who? Hilda. Because when Sabrina explains what this pineapple is, her reaction is, chunks or rings? (laughs) Pulls out a cleaver. She pulls out a cleaver. She's ready. She's nearly cut into the pineapple. I I love Hilda for her ability to always see the bright side in any situation. Yeah. When Sabrina can't do anything except country pineapples, and Zelda is like, well, you know, it's all right. You'll get there in the end. Hilda's like, hey, at least you'll always be able to garnish a ham steak. (laughs) Boom. That's what you want. That's what you want, that kind of belief. She's very much the seeing the glass half full, isn't she? She's the optimistic side. And you've got Zelda for the realism side. So Sabrina is... They manage to turn Libby back because yeah. Sabrina's so inexperienced that you can turn witches' spells back at this stage. So Libby runs out saying she's going to make Sabrina's life hell. And so Sabrina wants to turn back time. And seeing as she already has the power of life and death, I can see why she would assume that she could do that. Yeah, yeah it doesn't seem like that much of a reach. But we, know, but we hear the um, uh, restrictions on magic from Hilda, which... Um, much less uh, restrictive than wishes for genies. Yeah. Uh, it's just no turning back time and no getting rid of cellulite. <laughs> yes. But then we find actually you can overturn that because you, if you act collectively. It's a union thing they write it off as. Oh, it's a union thing. But what she's got to do is go and see the Witches' Council. Yes. And I always loved when she went to see the Witches' Council. Can I just say? Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> because she goes into her airing cupboard... To enter the other realm. And the witches' council, um, she's warned that Drell yes. is the leader of the witches' council. He used to date Hilda, and she's warned not to look at his mole. Yeah. And when she goes in, it's Pen Gillette. Mm-hmm. Is that the right one? Yeah, Pen Gillette. Holding a mole. Which makes <laughs> me laugh so much, even now. <laughs> I mean, again, Pen and Teller are in this, and, Penn, and they are. It's a waste to only see them this much. It, it, that's true. But the Witches' Council is Penn and Teller mm-hmm. and Debbie Harry from Blondie. <laughs> that's now, who it is. I couldn't place it. That is, as far as I'm concerned, the most perfect Witches' Council that you could have. <laughs> I cannot think of casting better than that to convey magic and witchery. <laughs> if you had to add a fourth, who would it be? Well, me, because I want to hang out with them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. See, I can think of a couple of contenders. Go on. Stevie Nicks. Cause Stevie always... Nicks! She is a bit witchy. She is a bit witchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe Ozzy Osbourne, just for that. Oh, God, yeah. No, <laughs> that's perfect. In... <laughs> that is perfect. A bit, Just to take it a bit more goth. Yeah, just a little more yeah. goth. Yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. No, I get you. That's perfect. And Ozzy's always at the end like, what am I even doing here? Yeah. <laughs> 
got things to be doing. As he is on every show yeah, that he's ever been it. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, she she puts her plea to them, which yeah. is that she is a high school girl and that it'll be really tough for her if they don't turn back time. And they deny her. And I, I want to say, I think they're right. Yeah, I'm going to put this out there. I would. Yeah. If that was if that was put to me, I had a really this hard day at school. This is not important enough to bend the laws of magic. No, to bend the laws of, of nature. Yeah, not important enough. No, no not way. At all. Not at all. But you know, if it, like, if you're talking like reasons for for changing time, making sure your parents get together so that you are born yeah. and that your you know your family line continues like Marty McFly and Back to the Future, that's reasonable. Well, I, think... I had a rough day at high school. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. So. They say no, and she has to go back to her life. She's consoled by Salem, isn't she? Yes, she Who, is. Salem reveals something that I didn't know about Salem. Yeah. That he dreams of world domination. He was sentenced to 100 years as a cat for attempting world domination. Which I like that world domination is kind of seen as benign. Because if he was sentenced to 100 years as a cat for holding up a news agents, you'd think, whoa... That's violent. He shouldn't be in a teenager's bedroom, even if he is in the body of a cat. But world domination? Well, it's okay. That's that's kind of kooky. <laughs> yeah. This is why nobody in our generation is scared enough of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> because we all watched Salem and Pinky and the Brain go for world domination, and we thought, ah, oh, you know what? They're <laughs> just having a crack. <laughs> Let them have a try. What harm could they possibly do? Yeah, we don't know how far Salem got towards Dominic. Actually, I was going to ask you, do you think, based on the fact that Salem's been sentenced to live as a cat, that Pinky and the Brain are also witches who've mm. been sentenced to live as mice? No, no, no. I think if they succeed, they have to be, they'll be sentenced to live as humans. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very much a mice punishment. Um, no, but, but the thing is, the fact that he was sentenced implies he got... Some of the way. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. It, it, he did something. I presume he didn't get that far because he's he's even though he you know has aimed for world domination, he's been sent to live in a suburban house. He's and, given a fair amount of freedom, and he's allowed to console a teenager. Yes, he is. So, which is what he's doing here. Maybe he just got to like the pre-planning phases of world domination. They went, hold on a tick. That's yeah. Stop there. He had an, an extensive plan. He had a PowerPoint, and they were like, no, no, too much. Sentence him to be a cat. Although I get the sense he wasn't that committed to world domination. No? No, because when he's talking about like things that he, he wants to do, yeah. he says, you know, I wanted to dominate the world and go dancing and play squash. Like, that's three things. If you're going to say, I world domination is my aim, that's kind of got to be your overriding. Like, that that's going to be, like, well, all-consuming. You, you think if you are emperor of the entire world... You don't have time to play squash and go dancing. Oh no, if you're the emperor of the entire world, you've got time to do whatever you want. If you want to be emperor of the world, you've got no time for squash or dancing. Got you. I've you've got, got you. to be focused entirely on becoming emperor of the career world. Career goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. it. You're on that career trajectory. You I know? got you. I got you. That's yeah. what you've got to do. But now um, Salem has ended up, he said, the sound of the can opener is the only thing that makes me feel truly alive. Wow. What a... I related to that so hard. <laughs> Not a can opener for me. It's more like you know the sound of uh, the microwave. But still, I was oh like, God. "Food. That is the only <laughs> my only vice." 
Oh dear. The fact you can't turn back time on this though. I think it's Salem who suggests, you know, she says she's going to run away and he goes, I hear Greenland's a groove, which is not a phrase that was ever a thing. This is a groove. Well, you don't know how long he's been a cat. He might not be up with the lingo. That's true. I mean, it does sound, I think, you know, he could be advocating what she goes to a hop. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so she gets to do the day again. She does. Because Hilda, who used to go out with Drell and hasn't seen him for many a year, goes and confronts him, gives him a piece of her mind. And they 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 grant her wish. So it's the you know you go back and it's the perfect day. Mm-hmm. She aces her test. Yeah. She catches the football instead of letting it hit her in the face, which impresses everyone in the school. She cuts off Harvey in the middle of the mailbox chat, so she never has to hear that shit, and asks him to go to the movies before Libby can ask him out to a party. And as a final uh, one. When Libby tries to pour the grape juice on her, she spins that cup around and splashes it on that bitch. Yeah, explodes in Libby's face. Yes. Like, so she gets, like, a face full of grape juice. Which, I remembered that. I don't know how many times I saw the pilot episode, but I remembered that cup spinning around. Because wouldn't that feel so amazing for your bully to have their torment turned round back on them? There are people I'd still like to do that now. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's the yeah. dream. It's the dream. It is the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. Of all the things, that's the dream. So I think it's a great first episode because it it sets out that she's a witch, that it's not going to be all plain sailing for her at school, but that maybe being a witch will help her out. And it, it's feel good because in the end, she has a great day. She rushes home. She says, I'm normal. Got to go tell the cat. Yes. Picks up Salem. That cat does not want to dance. No, no, it doesn't. I always enjoyed the fact that these animatronic cats are so stiff. <laughs> and also, I think there's more than one because one has very wide set eyes. Yes. And doesn't look like the other one. And the occasional appearance of a perturbed live cat, like this one at the end. But we must, must talk about the other episode. And we're near the end of the third season and the run-up to her 18th birthday. Oh, right, okay. So only two years have passed. Right, okay. See, now that I find weird, because normally, and this is for American TV shows where you've got like 24 episodes in a series, Yeah. you always have a Halloween episode and a Christmas episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, so so even though she's gone through three Christmases, presumably, yeah, yeah. she's only had two birthdays. Yeah. Like the anti-queen. I feel that maybe witch's time doesn't correspond to normal people right, time. Right, but she is living in the normal All world. All right, Will. All right, okay. So, it's not true. I think they do... I remember them doing Halloween and Christmas episodes, so I think they do have those. And, yes, you just have to accept that her age doesn't quite correspond with what it should be. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put this out there, you know. In a show in which your main characters are witches, you could have every episode be a Halloween episode. It would be a perfect, like, well, it is device. Of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we're introduced to, uh, you know, new, slightly older Sabrina. Still wearing a lot of brown. Yeah, a bit, bit, bit of brown. But uh, now she's got a new job at Pork on a Pole. Yes. Now, this is really something that happens in every series. Because I've been watching... I've been re-watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. And this exact same thing happens to... Ashley. Ashley. Mm-hmm. And she has nearly the same outfit. Yeah. Now, I don't know if these are, like, rip-offs of a place that exists. I think 
or just in general places like this do exist? I, I think they are. I think like corn, the corn dog thing where it's like... You think every corn dog stand, they have a giant hat that is like a foot off their head. like a, It looks like a jockey's silk because it's got those kind of stripes up to the top. But inflated. But inflated. <laughs> yeah. What? On earth would mean that that was the look for every corn dog stand. I, I don't know. I don't, why, why do all chefs wear uh, you know white hats and white jackets? It's a it's a uniform. It's a standard. It's thing. a uniform. <laughs> it's, it's just an agreed look. You know, I see that hat and I want to buy meat on a stick. There you go. Yeah. Why would in that if that's the impact if that's the impact it has on people? Why would you not put your staff in that uniform? If you dressed them in something else, you'd be like, I don't know. I could go for you know I'd go for McDonald's or see that hat. I could go for a hot dog on a stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or a pork on a pole. Pork on a pole. That's pork a bad. You don't can't call it work that. at a place they're called nope. that. No. Um, yeah. So she's friends with Valerie now. Yes. Um, Who is Valerie? Because Valerie was very reminiscent. Of, I I really recognise Valerie, but I can't think where from. She's just Valerie. Okay. I, I don't know. I could have sworn I'd seen her in other stuff. Probably I have, and I just. She does crop up in films and stuff now and again. I feel like the thing you would be thinking of Valerie from. Is an episode of How I Met Your Mother, where she dates tw- Ted, and they realise they've been on that date twice. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Oh, that would have been bothering me for ages. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> where I know her from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the thing I know her most is is from this, because yeah. she's in this for quite a long time. She is the friend that I think of most, even though there was Jenny beforehand, and there are, when she, oh, she goes off to college, she has a new set of friends. Mm-hmm. But Valerie's always the one I think of. So when she goes off to college, presumably then they don't start... They, they, they accept she's not a teenager anymore. I think it's just not spoken about. Okay, we just, we just won't They don't have it. to acknowledge the title of the show, do they? They don't have to say, sorry, the show is it's called Teenage... Sabrina the Young Adult Witch. It doesn't have the same ring to it. It really doesn't. Uh, but no, I think yeah, Valerie's. I think Valerie's a solid best friend. I think she's a bit of an improvement on Jenny. You know, she's she's got good best friend credentials. Which, that, that's harsh. I wasn't saying anything against no, Jenny. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm looking at this in isolation of these two episodes. Valerie's doing a better job as being the best friend archetype. Fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. So anyway, we we are introduced. Sabrina needs a job because she wants to pay for a class ring. Which is a thing in America. Oh, more things from America that I don't understand. <laughs> what is a class ring? Tell right. me. I, from what I understand, it's basically a massive, chunky ring which has like your graduating class year on it and like your school's emblem or whatever else. Like, you know how, like, when you win the Super Bowl or like a major sport, y- yeah, you get a ring? Rings. It's like that. It's like a class ring. Like, you get that when you graduate, I think. I don't have any merch from my school and I can't imagine caring about it. No, see, I think the thing is when we were at school, the equivalent merch was that big, fo- that big long photo of your entire school. Oh, together. I've got a big long photo. Yeah, we've got a bit, yeah, everyone's yeah, got a big yeah. long photo. I've got at least a couple of the draw, right? Big long photo <laughs> of all your school at the end of a couple of years. But I think in recent years, they've started doing things where they do like hoodies and T-shirts with everyone's names on the back, and yes. it's like Leavers, 14, and then all your <laughs> surnames in the back. On. They do do those. That's Britain. That's yeah. Britain right there. In Could America, they... <laughs> this hugely romanticised, expensive thing of a class ring yeah. that you wear, and then sometimes you give away to somebody because yeah. you love them. And I the, don't and know. Like, and like the same like varsity jackets with like letters on, you're like in Greece. With us, Leavers 14, <laughs> and all the names printed on the yeah. back. Nine ninety nine from the... <laughs> Probably not. Probably really expensive. Hugely expensive. But the thing is, I think this is the thing of like that's a very British way of doing it is to have your name. And better yet, if you can put a nickname on or something else. Like at our uni, you mem- do you remember the um, 
Centurions challenge things will be. No, the Immortals challenge. I have no idea what you're talking right. about. We, for the benefit of listening... For the benefit of the tape. benefit of the tape. We went to the same uni. <laughs> At our uni, there was a thing called the Immortals Challenge, I think, which ran every... Like, Is it a drinking term. challenge? It was a drinking challenge. I was going to say, it's the only thing I can imagine anyone from our uni commemorating. <laughs> the idea was, basically, you got given a scorecard that right. you had to pay, like, £10, and you got given a scorecard, and then you got a, li- a list of drinks on there, yep. and you had... The idea was you had to drink all of these from these different bars in four weeks, which right. is like late summer term and then a bit. And then at the end of it, if you did that, got them all stamped off, you would get a plaque with your inscription on it on one of the beams in one of the uni bars. Wow. Right? And because it was a small brass plaque, you could have whatever you wanted written on there. So I had one friend who spent a decent chunk of the little money he had powering through all these drinks as quickly as possible purely so you can get a plaque on a beam in a bar that he's not been to in 20 years that says your mum <laughs> well that could be from anyone yeah exactly this is the problem it's one of these things like when you go you know you might they might have been like steve jones and tom smith and instead they've got the badger and fuck boy written on like a, on a beam somewhere amazing that that this is britain and <laughs> Take, take your kids there when they go, you know, 20, 30 years' time to uni. Ah, yes. Hello, son. Hello, daughter. That's my plaque on that beam. Which one, Dad? The one that says fuck boy on the end. <laughs> That's Britain. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. So that's our equivalent of a class our... ring. So, but she needs money to get this class ring because they yeah. cost because it's jewellery. It costs money. Sure. Uh, so that's why she's got this job at Pork on a Pole. Isn't willing to do it because the uniform is so horrendously embarrassing. It is pretty bad. So, uh, although I had a bad uniform for my first job. Yeah. I had to wear a cap. Ooh. Don't don't do jobs where they make you wear a cap. <laughs> I didn't have. Unless to wear a cap. it's like ball boy. <laughs> ball boy. <laughs> Only jobs where it's acceptable for you to wear a cap socially. Well, you'd normally be wearing a cap, that's fine. <laughs> but when you wouldn't normally be wearing a cap, just try try and get something else. I know it's tough out there. It is a tough job market out there. But, yeah. My first my first uniform for a job was so much like nylon and polyester. It was horrendously uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I actually learned how flammable I was because we used... As a group from work, we went to Download Festival and we used one of my shirts as a flagpole because when you go to a big festival, all the tents are the same cheapest tent from Argos, so you cannot find where mm-hmm. you're from. So we put our my, my shirt from work as up as a flag and somebody, drunk, late at night, set light to it as they were coming back from the festival. It went up like... <laughs> and Like tissue paper. I was inside the tent with my boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. who I said to him, why is it orange out there? And he's like, probably just the sun. I said, I think something's alight. <laughs> Open up the tent. We saw it burning, and I was like, shit, pour the water on it. And he's like, I can't, I'm just in my pants. So I had to go out in my pants and pour our big jug of water that we luckily had over this, so that... All of the tents didn't set on fire. Now, if that isn't a red flag, <laughs> it, that was literally a red flag. It was a burning red flag. <laughs> but the red flag I'm talking about is when your boyfriend won't save you from a fire because he's in his pants. At a festival as well. I know. Where's, this whole thing, though, sets up her talking to Zelda and Hilda about her job and 
them suggesting she go and get a job through the other realm job agency. Employment agency. Employment agency. But part of this as well is we get, and this didn't come up so much in the first episode, but I seem to recall as a big thing of flashbacks of you know, Hilda and Zelda telling anecdotes and like, oh, it reminds me of a time when, and then you see them in part of their previous life. Yeah, I think there were quite a lot of flashbacks. It's always quite surreal and... There's lots of little period bits, isn't there? I mean, there's bits where Sabrina travels forward and backward to go to different things, and so there's a lot of costuming going on. Yeah, which is a good way to think, you know, if you're on that kind of fixed thing of, rather than just being suburban American high school, you can add a bit more whimsy into, yeah, into yeah, the journey. Yeah. So in this one, we see that Hilda started the American Revolution by mistake. Yes. Because she misunderstood. She said that, uh, she heard somebody say the Redcoats were coming... And um, so she told people the British were coming, uh, but it was actually just a shipment of red of jackets. Red coats, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, and the thing is that, but I knew by that point this had clearly become a thing of a lot of flashbacks because then they have a flashback joke about flashbacks. Yes, they do. Which yeah, is yeah. very meta to have a, you know, oh, that reminds me of time for you two are always telling flashback jokes. No, nothing happened to it. Yes, because they're about to have, go into another flashback, aren't they? And yeah. Sabrina's like, I don't have time for the room to go all fuzzy or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> very self aware. <laughs> no, so. Um, she gets her job with the other realm employment agency, and it's a job as a sandman. Yes. So she goes to people's rooms at night mm-hmm. and sprinkles sand on them to make them. Is it go to sleep or to have better dreams? I think it's to go to sleep. She, to go to sleep, but then this is the part she shouldn't be doing: is she's gate crashing the dreams? Yes, because she finds out when she goes to see Harvey. And she says, when I touch him, I go into his dream. Yeah. Bit yeah. creepy. Bit creepy. They call it dream dropping. Yes. Elder and Zelda later say, you can't dream drop. But she, So she's going in and watching what the dream is. Harvey's kind of been acting odd with her. Yeah. So she goes into his dream to sort of see what's going on with him. Yeah, because she thinks he's cheating uh, because he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, Sabrina won't understand if I tell her. Because uh, this is the thing, it starts with loads of eavesdropping at the start of this episode, and then obviously dream dropping follows. Eavesdropping, then dream dropping. Yeah, yeah, natu- yeah. natural progression when you're a witch. But the, Harvey's dream, I think this is the first one, seems like he's in some kind of 80s post-apocalypse movie. It's like Blade Runner yeah, or is. some kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where everything's like blue white light and he's running on the spot. Yeah. Trying to get to a textbook. Yes, and she interprets this as he's terrified about passing his French test. Yeah. So she magics the textbook into his hand. He starts speaking fluent French. Yes. And you know, it's... she starts fixing people's dreams. So she also goes into Valerie's dream, and she's naked in it. Yes. So the next day at school, she says to Valerie, "Hey, you shouldn't worry so much," and that fixes Valerie's anxiety. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's incredible. People tell me I shouldn't worry so much, and I want to slap them. <laughs> she goes into uh, her principal, um, Willard Craft. Willard Craft. Now he, we didn't see him in the first episode, but he's big in this. Yeah, I see. I remember him. I don't remember Mr. Mr. Paul. No, I think Mr. Paul's in the first series, but I, I can't remember how soon Principal Craft, whether he replaced him or whether he's um, uh, comes into it, but. He is counting peas in his dream. Yeah, like m- maniacally counting peas. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah. It's not just a normal pea counting dream. No, no, it's it's he's very disturbed. My question: Why is he counting peas? I think it's just to well, 
There's a thing called a bean counter, isn't there? Yes, there is. Who's worried about money. And details. And and, and details and whatever. And he is always... That's sort of his role as principal. He's never worried about the kids or the education. He's always worried about budgets and, and you know, discipline and looking good to people. Mm. So maybe it's easier to get a lot of peas than it is to get a lot of beans? I don't believe that's true. Do you not? No, because he's not got a lot of peas. What he's got is a small pile of peas and a lot of boxes of peas. Now, you could quite easily change out those peas to beans and give him a small pile of beans. Well, maybe beans weren't in season. <laughs> maybe beans weren't... I mean, I'm going to put this out on the list. This is, this is 1999. When have you not known there to be beans available? <laughs> I, you, you know I don't do the shopping. <laughs> <laughs> we all remember that famous bean drought of the late 90s. Exactly. <laughs> Be- that beans could have been scarcely available. I don't know why. I think it's more a writer misheard that phrase for years and no one wanted to correct them. I can believe that as well. I can believe that. You'll be counting peas. Why peas? You know, like a pea counter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> Do you mean a bean counter? No, pea counter. Who'd count beans? Count beans? They're not even in season. <laughs> in this bean drought. <laughs> in this bean economy. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now, Salem, she also dream drops, he's a mobster. Yeah, he's in the he's being inducted into the Rat Pack. Yeah, very much what I expect from Salem. Yeah, nothing unusual there. I'm sure that's not the only time that he wears a pinstripe suit and a little <laughs> mobster hat. I'm sure that's not the only time. It's a good look for him. Good it is, that's him. true, yeah. And she drops in on uh, Zelda, who's uh, kissing George Washington. Yeah, that's not good, is it? It's not, particularly because she is a witch. She's aware that Sabrina's watching her. So she's still doing it rather than going, hey, get the hell out. She kisses George and like, uh, Sabrina, mind, mind your business, off you go. Yeah, but but kissing George Washington, that, I don't think that's ever a good dream. No. And Libby's dream is just basically Libby's normal life. She's going through the corridors being rude to people. Yeah. And they all just take it and lay down for, to form a bridge for her and she's just she's just living her dream which says yeah it says to me that Libby's perfectly content with no she's her not life. living her dream she's dreaming her life she's dreaming her life which says she's perfectly content in her life she's got no worries or, or cares yeah she's perfect, which is quite a depressing thing to have actually the bully is intent is in, innately content yeah I don't think that's true of bullies but I think that's true of fictional bullies mm. that they have everything but they have it by being rude to people and actually, if you're rude to people, probably there's something wrong in your life. Yeah. But we never want to get that deep on bullies, do we, in kids' shows? Because we just want to go, the hero is always right. Yes. <laughs> and the bully will always get their comeuppance. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we've we've had these sort of things here. And she gets a bit of a dressing down from Hilda and Zelda about going into people's dreams and dream dropping. And basically not and messing with people's dreams, saying it can change the course of their life. Uh, Which we see in in Valerie because she's all content yeah. after being told not to be anxious. Yeah, and well, she 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 and 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 ultimately she stops giving a toss altogether. Well, this this happens, doesn't it? Yeah, that we see Libby not giving a toss at all. Mm-hmm. The principal craft is committed yes. and taken away. It's Hannibal Lecter style yeah. with a straitjacket on a board because he's obsessed with become obsessed with peas. Obsessed with peace, yeah, yeah, that trajectory. Harvey wants to break up, then Sabrina is no longer a witch. 
Yes. She is thrown out of the house because a mortal can't live with witches. She doesn't get a witch's license. Mm-hmm. And then there's a floating banana. Yeah, then there's a giant floating banana. Uh, because what we've missed is that Freud is in this episode. Yes. This is another thing of bringing historical characters back. Bill and Ted style. Bill and Ted style, you yeah. might say. Yeah, yeah. So Freud is in this one. He's eating a sausage when he arrives, which amused me because <laughs> the thing that everyone knows about Freud is kind of, he's obsessed with... Penises. It, penises, but like the double entendre. Yeah. Of their, their, you know, um, everything being phallic and the phallic imagery in dreams yeah, and, and stuff. Need of this is the thing we all think about with Freud. But how in a kids show do you say Freud's obsessed with dicks and everything long is a dick to him? <laughs> you don't. You just have him eating a sausage and being followed around by a floating banana. <laughs> It's it's the perfect way to dumb things down for kids just enough so they get a little bit to know about Freud, but none of the important stuff. Yeah, I, I don't think any kids are remembering that and going, oh, he's the floating banana guy. But it, it's it's enough for the adults to get it. We've, we've had this, and then, yeah, it turns out this whole dream is actually a fake dream. It's that all, was the whole all, thing. That it's was, all a dream. That was all a dream. Yeah, that was all a dream. That was the part that was a dream. That was Sabrina's dream. None of those things actually happens. She hasn't... Be um, lost her witch's license and become homeless, but she has got to stop dream dropping and trying to fix people's dreams and trying to see what they're dreaming. So she has to give up that job altogether, really, yeah. um, because she's no good at it. No, no, no good at it at all. <laughs> no good at it whatsoever. Still not entirely sure what what she's meant to be doing with this. For some reason, at one point, she tries to get Harvey to go to sleep by giving him a lot of espresso in a coffee mug. No, 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 no. She tries to keep him awake. By giving him the espresso so that she will need to be called on in order to make him go to sleep. Right, okay. Okay, so I didn't Because get if that. he can go to sleep himself, then she doesn't need to visit. See, but this is the problem because all these people she goes to visit are sleeping. They're just dreaming quite hard. I don't. I'm not clear on the rules. <laughs> See, it does seem problematic. There is there is a problem there in the in the plot. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that bit. We'll just pass it on. The other the other side to the episode is a long running storyline over the the whole course of this show, mm-hmm. which is that she needs to figure out the Spellman family secret. And figuring that out is directly linked to her getting her witch's license. And so I think she needs to fi- figure it out by her eighteenth birthday. Right. A warning beacon man comes to tell... Yes, he's man dressed as a traffic cone. Man dressed as a traffic cone comes to tell Hilda and Zelda that she needs to figure out the family secret and they need to stop helping her. Yes, she needs to figure it out on her own. Because she's got a big green board, which I remember her having quite a lot, with little codes on it to figure out the secret. And I told you what the secret was in the intro... But I can see by your face you've already. Oh, no, I've completely forgotten. Yeah, no. Yeah, tell me again. Um, every spellman, I think it's sister, has a twin. Right. Now I'm not sure that it's an evil twin. I can't remember if it's an evil twin, but they have a twin. Okay. Does she play her own twin or? Oh, obviously. Yeah. You know <laughs> course, she. You already know she, she does. does. Um, and. And she has to kill the evil twin. I hope it's an evil twin. It's a better plot if it's an evil twin. If it's just a benevolent twin, and she just turns up and it's like, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? Well, where's the other twin? 
If if they were both good twins, she'd they could live together, room. couldn't they? Yeah. No, she can't see the mum either because she'd be a big ball of wax. Yeah. Well, then who's aunt, who? Which aunt is she staying with? I don't know. I don't know where the twin is. I think she must live in the other realm. Ah, okay. With Penn and Teller and Debbie Harry. This is the part that I can't remember. <laughs> you know, I remember that it's all about a twin, but I can't remember what happens with the twin. Fair enough. And I think, and the twin definitely also has an A ending name. I think it's Katrina. Not Clarissa. No. Because that would be an amazing crossover. No, Clarissa is the previous season. In Bewitched, she is called Samantha. Her sister is called Serena. Mm-hmm. And her kid is called Tabitha. Right. And her mother is Endora. So basically, and this I think is Sabrina and Katrina. So if you want your kid to sound like a witch, give them a name that ends in an A. Right, noted. <laughs> oh, there's one thing I wanted to ask you, actually. Oh, ask away. Do you like Sabrina? As a character, the actual Sabrina. That's the... a good question. I'm not sure that I do. I don't think she's that likeable. No, I don't think she's... I think the thing is, I'm seeing her in isolation. The first episode, she's quite whiny about her situation, but she's a teenager. Yeah. She's meant to be. She's being a, you know, a teenager in that. By this third one, when she's... A f- nearly a full-fledged witch. She's yeah. certainly got control of her powers. Yes. You know, she's got her boyfriend. She's got her best friend. She's got, you know, she's worked out the dynamic with her enemy. You know, she's she's there, right? And she's moaning about having to take a job with an embarrassing uniform. That's part of being a teenager. Sorry, it is. I know what you're saying. I mean, the Sandman uniform's pretty embarrassing. She doesn't bat an eyelid about that. She's got a nightcap. Yeah. yeah. She looks like Ebenezer Scrooge. She doesn't does. give a toss. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um... Melissa Joan Hart has played young for a long time, you know? Mm -hmm. And Clarissa, I think, was more likeable. As Sabrina, she's kind of... I don't know. There's something a bit too together about her. Like, as Clarissa, you believed her trying to find her way as becoming a teenager and growing up because she was kind of doing that herself at the same time. Yeah. She doesn't... Having a second shot at that... She does seem more adult than all the other children. Yeah, I think this. I think she does. And I I love the show. I really enjoy the show because the all the characters are great. You know, the aunts I love. I think there's good dynamics between her, Valerie, Harvey, uh, Libby. And I, I actually love just the visuals of it. The fact that they're always travelling to different times, different realms. There's colour and there's costumes and all that is stuff that I enjoy. And I think the character of Sabrina is where it just slightly falls down. Well, I think then that brings us to the question. Liz, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, how do you like me now? I think this is a show that totally holds up. It's just as easily watchable for me now as it was then. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. I think a lot of the references and the jokes have really not aged well. They're very, very dated. Yeah. And even as someone who did grow up in the 90s, there's some that I struggle to get. (laughs) I think if you... Well, it is American, so it's kind of two steps removed from us. Yeah, it is. But, yeah, I think this is is a solid show. I think my, my only criticism of it is that... Yeah, Sabrina... They should have cast someone else as Sabrina, I think. As good as Melissa Joan Hart is, she's too old to be playing a teenager at this point. Particularly, she's already done it once. I don't know that she's too old. She's Quite a lot of um, teenagers are played by somebody... She's 20 when it starts, so she's a little older than she should be. But I just I just think it's a great show. I think it's enjoyable. And I'm not even talking about showing it to kids. I'm talking... I literally... I could just put this on and it would be 
as good as as good as any show. Fair enough. Well, there we are. Liz, thank you for joining me. Thank you. And thank you for listening, and we will be back soon. If you like grainy, out-of-focus shots of the type of stuff we watch, follow us on Insta at HowDoYouLikeMe. And if you want even more piss-poor attempts at engagement, try out our Twitter at HDYLMN1. It's like a postcode, but longer and harder to remember. And if you're a fan of the show, remember to rate, like, share, subscribe, whatever. And if you didn't like the show, come find me on social media, you coward! This is a Standard Nerds podcast.